Dude, what a freaking song. If you guys haven't heard of, what is this called? Treaty Oak Revival. Go check it out. I give all credit to my buddy Garrett Yates. Garrett, if you listen to this podcast, uh, dude, turned me on to this band. And he was like, dude, you ha- every song they have is a banger. I have to agree. If you like that, you know, older style country, West Texas vibes, dude, Treaty Oak Revival, badass band. Let's get to the show. All right, guys, welcome back to the Part-Time Hunter Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Gross. Welcome back to another one, guys. We are on the tail end of the season here. The Part-Time Hunter Podcast, you guys love it. No sponsors, no uh, affiliate programs, no BS, just a pure hunting podcast. And this is episode number 37. I know we've been struggling this year, trying to get as much content on all the social media. So if you don't already, go follow us on IG, MojoBuck80. And we just dropped a new Goose episode, which we'll kind of recap when we get our guests on here. But we just pounded a few late-season local honkers out in Tennessee, and you guys go check that out. I think it's called uh, Honkers Up Close or whatever the episode is, the Mojo Buck Productions YouTube channel. But, guys, episode number 37, we got our new friend, Hunter Screen, on the other end of the mic. Hunter, how you doing this evening, dude? Living the dream, brother. Hell yeah. Dude, we're literally, what, like a day away from Christmas? Uh, yeah, we about there. And <laughs> <laughs> honestly, like, this year it snuck up on us, man. Like, I, I don't know if it's just because of work or uh, my wife just got pregnant. So we're just, it's kind of been a whirlwind for us the last month and a half. So we're just trying to catch up. And it seems like Christmas is just, you know, I mean, I am excited about it at the same time. I, you know, I'm kind of ready to get over it, kind of get to turkey season. That That's just me, though. I don't know if anybody else. That's right. But, uh, but, dude, yeah. So, I mean, welcome to the show. And we like to tell all of our guests, especially new guys, you know, we talk to them on social media. Thanks for hopping on and being a part of the show. And uh, people love it. The Part-Time Hunter, no commercials, no BS, just a pure hunting podcast. So we can jump right into it, dude. So give us a background, uh, you know, where, who you are, where you're from, and what your social handles are so people can go check you out. I got you. Okay, so uh, my name is Hunter Screen. Uh, I live in Reeves, Tennessee. I mean, it's... It's just a small town with a bunch of bunch of rednecks that like to duck hunt. You know, uh, <laughs> I live out about 45 minutes away from Real Foot Lake. I know, I'm sure everybody's heard of it. Uh, man, I started hunting when I was six, seven years old, and ever since then, it's I've been hooked. You know, I mean, it, it ain't hard to get hooked on hunting. You know, but uh, uh, I'm gonna have to look at my Instagram. I ain't too sure what my thing is. I, I don't. I hardly ever get on. Uh, my Instagram is Hunter Screen Twenty Twenty Two. Hell yeah! And and the and kind of the way that I found you, dude, is I was scrolling through, uh, which we're, we're going to dive all into because I kind of feel like you like as soon as I saw this TikTok that you did, it, it resonated with me so much, dude. Because I was like, dude, I feel the same freaking way that Hunter does. I got to get him on the show, dive down the rabbit hole. You know, kind of the current state of duck hunting and. You know, the the influencers that have kind of recently surfaced and, you know, all the – we can get all into it. But I was like, dude, I totally feel the same way you do. Like, the way that TikTok you did, I was like – and I think it was – I don't know what you titled it, but it was the one where you talked about predictions. That that was the oh. one that I like. I do – I loved it. Like, that. that's that's the TikTok that made me reach out to you. You're going to get me fired up here, dog. 
<laughs> dude, I love. I, I, it was crazy because I was like, dude, I finally found a dude that is not afraid to just speak his mind and like, let's get it on the show, let's capture it. I know because I know like you and me feel the same way as probably the majority of people that actually are out there chasing ducks you know more than just a weekend a year so you know it's just you know stuff that resonates a lot hey uh are you uh are you driving in a car it sounds like there's a little bit of noise i don't know if you can hold the phone or anything like that yeah yeah i'm uh i'm probably about a mile and a half out from the shop right oh, now cool, cool. okay yeah we're gonna be totally fine so we're just gonna keep it rolling but yeah dude so uh it sounds like you live in in like the west west tennessee area like northwest tennessee is that is that accurate yeah, but it's like uh, the, like an armpit of Tennessee, about as far as northwest as you can go. Oh, I got you. Okay, so I, I probably have drove right through your area. I'm trying to think. Me and my dad went and hunted the Boot Hill several years ago, and we drove through uh, – my gosh. It's like that last town in Tennessee before you cross the bridge and get into Mizzou. I can't remember the name of that town. Dyersburg. Yeah, Dyersburg. Yeah, there's a, there's a badass sporting goods store right there. Uh, Cypress Creek, yeah, Cypress Creek, dude. Yeah, that's exactly right, man. You're bringing me back. So we they they were having like an end of the year sale and bought some band and stuff in there. But uh, yeah, dude, like that was I I just remember it being such a good location because literally from that town or well that area, dude, you could jump on the highway and be anywhere that the ducks want to be. I mean, you, I mean, obviously there's there's it seemed like to be very you know nice for waterfowl in that area because you're so close to Missouri, kind of butts up to other states but i mean you could jump on the highway and be anywhere out west you could be in arkansas and like i mean you could probably be in arkansas like what three four hours four hours yeah but yeah roughly i can be in stuttgart from from my house to stuttgart it takes me four hours oh dude that's you can't beat that i mean that's no that's wicked so like give guys a little bit i mean we're going to dive into the main meat of the podcast but like who was i always like to ask guys from different parts of the country and you're not too far from me but who was like your biggest influence like you said you grew up hunting like who, like, did you have a brother or maybe a granddad or a dad? Who was the one that really lit you up to, like, do this waterfowl thing? Oh, dude, it was most definitely my dad. I, like, hands down, at every time, like, see, he hunted the Mississippi a lot. And, okay. uh, and he, he, he didn't ever take us because we were too little, you know, and he's just being a dad, just making sure that, you know, he just making sure we were safe. So we just stayed at the house, but, He'd always come back with ducks or whatever, and I, I, I just always wanted to do that. And, uh, and man, it just seemed like every weekend he was bringing back just ungodly amount of ducks. And that was that was back when the duck hunting was good, as he says. But, yeah, dude, it, it had to be my dad. I mean, you know, and most people would say that. Most people, oh, it'd be Phil Robertson or – or uh, the doctor duck dude or whoever, but no, it, it hands down has got to be my dad. Dude, that that's so awesome. And it, it's cool to hear. I mean, cause like my, my dad's more of a whitetail guy, like big game guy. Uh, he never really went duck hunting until I dragged him to, to Missouri. Like we just talked about, but yeah, it's, it's just, it's funny to hear about how, how guys got into it. It's either passed down or like, you know, a lot of guys that listen to the podcast and show, uh, and, and a lot of new guys that are on social media, and we'll get into that. But a, a lot of guys are like first generation duck hunters, whether they're you know high school age, college age, getting into it. Nobody in their family really had a background, and maybe some of these guys are coming from like a non hunting family, which is you know freaking huge shout out to those guys because it's it's tough getting started. Because really, if you don't uh, have, yeah. if you don't have a family member, I mean you're kind of drinking the Kool Aid of what you're seeing on YouTube, Instagram. 
you know, that's kind of where you're getting your, you know, how should I do this, dude? Like, what do I do? What do I buy? And uh, it, it's it's really cool to hear that your dad, you know, did that and inspired you to do it. Because let's just be honest, like guys like you and me and like the guys out there on the podcast, dude, people that like to waterfowl hunt, you got to be a little bit twisted in the head. Uh, absolutely. Because <laughs> if you're not and you go waterfowl hunting and you like it, dude, I'm telling you, it's uh, the, long, the long day scouting, the miles, the money. The equipment, the time away from the family—you got to really like it to really want to do it. Absolutely. So you got you got to be committed. Committed. Oh yeah, no. I mean, it's definitely not something. It's kind of like you know, I tell people like, hey, if you want, people go, oh man, I'd love to go duck hunter. You know, hey, next time you get on a goose hunt, I'd like to go. I don't have anything, you know, guns or nothing, but I'd like to get into it. I'm like, hey, look, dude, it ain't like golf where you buy a set of gloves and you can throw that crap in your basement. And you can go every once in a while. It's you know, it's it's a full blown commitment. You got to have some clothes. You got to have some license. You got to do it right. You know, so it's, yeah, it's definitely uh, it, it's just cool to hear how people kind of got into it. But yeah, dude. So like the main reason we got the podcast rolling is to kind of dive into you know the <laughs> the most current events in the waterfowl world. And I'm sure, and I don't know if your TikTok got inspired by that, but I don't know if you heard of that dude, like the, the, the Hey, the Hey good dude that burned the blind recently. Did you hear about any of that? Uh, man, <clears throat> see, uh, back, I haven't heard anything recently about it, but when the last time I heard anything about him burning that blind was maybe back in October. Oh and, wow! Uh, yeah, and edit, and I just kind of brushed it off, like you know, whatever. And then he comes out with a video uh, saying how it was just a joke, you know, and uh, <laughs> and yeah, and, and look where he's at now, dude. It, it's so crazy, man. And like that—that's kind of what I wanted to have you on because I felt like you had the same, the same, you know, thoughts as me, and kind of felt the same way. But dude, like. It's so wild to me that, you know, like a handful of dudes kind of popped up over the summer, you know, kind of got big on, you know, like TikTok. That's a big platform that guys go to for, you know, waterfowl clips and tips or whatever. But, yeah, it just seems like a handful of guys kind of run the social media wave right now. And it's just, it's just interesting to see how, you know, the rise and fall of that guy. Like, it's kind of – I don't know the situation. I don't know if it was fake. I don't know the guy. I don't know the kid. So, I, I can't say anything, but – yeah, the, what I saw was – I think it quickly got deleted, but I saw the original video when it came out on TikTok where he's like, you know, don't don't put a blind in my hole. He's like, don't put a blind in my effing hole. And, like, there's a giant inferno of look like a pretty good-sized blind out there. And I don't know if he was on public or private. Like I said, I don't know the backstory, guys. I'm not throwing mud on him. You know, but right. then, then, like, the next day, you see pop up, like, like here in Georgia, we've got, you know, like the – the weekend warrior paper we call it where the recent duis and people get thrown up on the front page and on the facebook group well he was right there on an arkansas duck hunting forum page and it, there he was lucas haygood whatever his name is and i mean his mugshot looked terrible so apparently yeah i think it said like damages between five and twenty five thousand dollars of yeah of what it was and uh and, dude it, it's wild and like, i think that kind of and i don't know i think that's pretty much past a certain threshold of being not a misdemeanor, but also a felony. So, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just crazy to me that, you know, and, and like knowing who he is, like, I mean, I don't know him, but the people that follow him on social media, like he had millions of likes on his videos and you're just like, dude, like that's the kind of message you want to throw out there. Like, so just cause somebody upsets you, 
you're going to take some kerosene and go burn somebody's freaking blind down? Like, yeah, right. I mean, dude, come on, man. <laughs> Just like, damn. <laughs> and then have the nerve to post it. That's what's wild to me. You yeah, know. yeah. That, I don't know. Uh, just some people never cease to amaze me, dude. I, I'm telling you, man. And and that's what that's what's kind of like, you know. Social media, it's good and bad. It's always a double edged sword with that kind of thing because you see yep. guys, you see guys out there that you're like, damn, dude. Like that guy is the example that I would like to see put out there because like he's doing it right, legal. You know, he's doing all the cool setups. He's putting the time in. He's actually getting on birds consistently. Like, that's the guy. Like, that's the guy that should be the example for these young dudes. And then you see other guys that are like, nah, man, you know, $50,000 duck boat, you know, rocked out in whatever the latest is, Sitka, Shin, whatever. Yeah. And they're like, nah, dude, you can't even kill ducks unless you wear this waiter. I promise you. Don't even leak. This gun, dead birds, every trigger pull. And you're just like, man, come on, man. Like, who – and you know what's sad is like guys that, that are not like you and me that have been doing it a while, you know, that's they, they believe that, you know, because they yeah. have the influence. And that's what, that's what I, I you know, it, it's just, it is a double edged sword. You got to be careful, guys. Yeah. It's, I see, I, I don't, <clears throat> I don't necessarily understand why people say that, you know, you got to have this and that to kill ducks. Like, I still wear neoprene waders. And hell yeah, I mean, I, I and I, I, I still kill ducks so, some days, some days, yeah, yeah, right, dude. Yeah, 100%. Like, yeah, yeah. If anybody's out there listening, you find the podcast episode, I'm telling you right now, I, I started out in just the most basic Bass Pro brand, just generic, whatever. As long as it was waterproof, it was warm, I was using it. Really didn't care about what camo because you know, I was on a budget. And this was way before Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's, you know, combined. Now it's kind of hard to yeah. figure out their their waterfowl line. But you had a distinct Cabela's waterfowl lifetime warranty. You know, I, I was rocking the – I don't know if you remember these, Hunter, but like the, the Cabela's Northern Flight one-strap waiter where like you could shoot on the side that didn't have a shoulder strap. Lifetime warranty, dude, you couldn't beat them, man. I mean, for, for the money. And now you got guys spending – I mean, back then, dude, I got that set of waiters – for Christmas, and it was like four hundred bucks, four fifty, I think, for a full blown set of waders, like a like you know, I forget how many grams of thin slate or whatever is in there. But now, dude, you can't even touch a, a pair of premium waders for under a thousand. It's it's crazy. It's so wild. It's so wild to me. Yeah, it's a uh, the pr- it, that's just like another TikTok video I made, dude. The price on everything has skyrocketed all the way from shells to decoys, and you got your waders in between. But it's because they know that people are going to pay that price to duck. Yes, yes. And, and it's almost like if, if people from the get-go would have been like, hey, you know, that's cool you are making that, but, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to bend over and do, you know, that type of, you know, business model. I, I think a lot of stuff would have stayed, you know, moderately within arm's reach of most people. And, like, what's crazy is, like, duck hunting started out as, like, your, your poor man – Went duck hunting. You know what I mean? Like, that's what people did yeah. back in the days to feed their family uh, across the country, you know, before they did it commercially. And, dude, it's just completely 180. Like, you, you can't be a poor kid and go duck hunt anymore. I mean, it's it no. is, it, it's truly nuts. Dude, tell me about your season so far. Like, to walk me through, like, you know, did you do anything for September? Or, you know, kind of what have you what have you been chasing down so far until now? Yeah, man. So, so uh, September, I started – the early wood ducking we have we get an early wood duck antil season here in tennessee oh that's sick uh, yeah so 
it's basically a dove shoot that first five days. And then the next five days after that is strictly teal. And so we didn't do too good here in Tennessee. Some people did. Don't get me wrong. Some people absolutely waxed ass. But wow. this guy didn't. Okay. <laughs> I got you. So, 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 we're, so, when you guys are targeting woodies and teal up there where you're at, like, what kind of a, uh, like, what kind of, you know, terrain habitat features? Like, what, what are you guys looking for? Because I'm picturing, you know, Tennessee mountains, you know, hay fields, you know. Well, I, uh, I, I guess in West Tennessee, a little bit more wetlands. I guess I'm assuming. Yeah, so, something like that. I mean, of course, we got real foot, and then uh, back whenever they started managing it, they they uh, dug out what they call watersheds. Okay. And there's, there's just all these creeks that flow through them. And from what I understood, it's just the creeks that catch uh, the overflow of the water, they, they run into them watersheds. So you got maybe 10 to 15 different watersheds uh, that you can hunt. But, I mean, it's all – some of it's swampy. Some of it's not. Some of them just look, look like regular farm ponds and trees. I mean, that's and, – and real foot, dude, it's – mixture of everything you got some timber out there you got absolute just swamps and then you got open water i mean it's, it's all depending depending on what part of the lake you go to it all it's all just different yeah dude that is so true I, okay so i'm going to tell you my real foot story real quick it's kind of embarrassing i actually don't okay. tell people i've ever been there because of the experience we had <laughs> and uh, and the story starts out as uh, i found these two dudes off of facebook which that's probably the number one red flag as far as finding a you know if if it's a reputable guide they would have social medias or at least some type of of some type of referrals you would think so i found these dudes off facebook went and met them uh didn't stay at the blue bank which if you've hunted real foot you know what the blue bank is it's about the only place to get a hot meal out there is uh is the, is the blue bank of course it's like it's expensive and they also got to but we didn't we were on a budget so we went with these two jack offs and uh, we get in the boat with them. We go to one of these blinds, and and dude, it, it wasn't on the open water. It was kind of tucked back in a little bit, and I, yeah. I've never seen so many decoys in my life. And of course, Real Foot's kind of famous, you know, for that. From what I've heard, of course, I've only been yeah. there once. So, shitload of decoys. They had this what they called a confidence crane up on a twenty foot pole. It had been out there so long and so sun faded that it was pure white. So it looked like a I don't even know what, dude. It was, it was, it beat all the shit I've ever seen, and uh, and so it, it, it was kind of a slow day. We saw a bunch of bird movement, but there's if you're not familiar with real foot guys, it's very, it's a very famous place to go hunt, and it's kind of on every waterfowl guy's bucket list. It is a really cool place, and actually, other other guys that I know personally, they've had the time of their lives out there, had great experiences, shot all kind of cool big ducks, pintails, mallards, great time. Well, so we're sitting out there, you know, it, we're not paying a whole lot. I think it's like two fifty a gun a day. We had a we had a weekend lined up, so they had five hundred bucks a dude out of us. I was with two other buddies. Long story short, the entire day we sat out there, and uh, the dude's telling the most like raunchiest jokes you've ever heard, trying to entertain us. And you know, I I, I could have went without all that. And I was like, dude, come on, we're just you know, we're just chilling. And so it, that that passes. These two widgeons dump in like at the very last, the very end of the day. These two Drake widgeons, and wouldn't you know it, Hunter? I swear to God, I'll never forget this. We've paid you know two fifty so far. Three guys have sat there all day, haven't even picked the gun up off the little bench there. Two widgeons dump in. You know how widgeons do it. They just do it. For oh yeah, dirty. Right into the hole. They're hovering. They call the shot. And those two bastards also threw up 
and dumped their entire guns on the two engines. And I was like, what the actual hell is going on here? I was like, dude, what the hell? And so, like, we're, we're picking up the two, the, you know, our two prize widgeons, and uh, we get back to the boat ramp. And I told my other buddies, I was like, dude, listen, I don't want to go through a whole day like this again. So screw that. So we so we paid them. Said, hey, you know, we're not doing the the other the other day. Y'all can keep the damn widgeons. We hauled ass. So that was my real foot experience. Now, given I found that dude on Facebook, I probably asked for that whole experience to go on that route. Now I'll tell you guys this: I've heard great things about real foot. Besides that, so if you want to go to a guided hunt to real foot, do your research, get some referrals. There's great guys on real foot. I'm sure that guide. But uh, definitely don't do like I did. <laughs> it was a shit experience for sure. <laughs> it was awful. Sounds like it. Dude, it's it's nuts. But, like, see, I, I talked to other guys, and they're like, dude, we pounded their ass on real foot. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm glad somebody did. <laughs> right, see, I'll tell you this, too, just like I tell everybody else. Another thing, especially about real foot, because you've got – I think there's 200 and something blinds out there, 276 maybe. Oh, God, it's loaded with people. Yeah, and and they're all 200 yards apart. Mm-hmm. So some of them blinds are in killer spots, and some of them you're going to shoot somebody else's cripples. You know what I mean? So, yes. I mean, but, but what I'm getting at is it's all about location. It, like the blind that I'm uh, guiding out of this year at the lake with another guy, we're, from what I was told, we're in – one of the top five blinds on the lake. That's sick. And, uh, but we haven't had any ducks. Like, I mean, it's just been, I'm not going to say it's been awful. I mean, we, we've killed a couple here and there. But for it to be one of the top blinds, I mean, it's it's been slow. It's been real slow. And and that's definitely something that, that you're going to have. I mean, there's, and, and we can, you know, I, I love, like I said, your, your TikTok about the, predicting ducks and guys that like to you know throw that info and i call it fake news out there to people that don't really understand stuff but like just like what you mentioned dude like you you, people say they can predict ducks i call bullshit on it and that's what i was like Mm -hmm. dude i'm so glad somebody finally come out and said it and wasn't afraid to to, you know just just because the narrative is always like oh big giant cold front look at the farmer's almanac blizzard you know you winter of the the century you're going to see duck moving like crazy Dude, like, there's so many factors other than just a cold front, the reason that ducks move. It is so crazy, the biology that goes behind that. But, dude, yeah, like, get, tell, give give guys, like, a refresher that haven't seen your TikTok, which I'm sure a bunch of people have. But, I mean, give them, like, your – I mean, people that predict ducks and that whole mindset. Like, dude, like, speak the truth on that. I'd like to hear it. Okay. So, I mean, it's no big secret. Uh, Lucas, he uh, thinks that he can predict ducks along with his buddy. <laughs> yeah. But – uh, man, there's no, I mean, there are certain ways you can. And what I mean by that is, uh, certain winds, you know, if you know where you're hunting, you can predict which way they're going to come in your decoys. And I'm sure there's a, I'm sure there's a couple more, uh, other ways you can predict them. But as far as predicting when ducks will be here or what ducks will do that, dude, that, that just takes it to a whole nother level. I mean, you can have ducks sitting in a field for, a week, two weeks, whatever. And the day that you decide to go hunt them will be the day that they decide to move. That's I mean, a it, fact. That's a cold, hard fact. And uh, I just, I don't, it just really irritates me when people say that you can predict a duck. I don't, I don't know why, but it just does. 
And I mean, like if if people could predict ducks, everybody would kill ducks. Everybody. Oh yeah. And that's the same thing, and in my opinion, that's the same thing with geese. I mean, if geese are kind of, especially if they've been hitting a couple fields in your area, you can kind of, and you know, if you get their pattern, I guess you can predict where they're going to be that next day. But as far as ducks go, dude, it, I, they're they're worse than a woman. They they, they change up <laughs> so much, dude. Yeah, and and then and then like the the thing that kind of I'm like you, it kind of makes me mad too, because a lot of these guys, like, say you work, you know, your ass off during the week, you know. 40, 50 plus hours a week at a normal job. You live nowhere near a flyway. You're kind of, uh, you know, if you love to duck hunt and travel, you're making your plans, you know, if you have that two week window to make a plan, you're kind of relying on what people are saying. And you're going, and the sad part about social media is the people that get the most traction is that's what gets passed around the most. I mean, the most likes, comments, the people that follow them, whatever. The algorithm, you know, it's just, you know, you might see that guy say, oh my God, big cold front coming, big push of ducks. Better get your boats ready. You better go get you know trip booked. Better go get your shells, and then you know it's just it's just like what you said, dude. Like more than cold fronts, you know, hunting pressure, uh, you know, the area, the food, the resting areas, the amount of water. Uh, I mean, just a thousand different variables going to telling you where. And obviously, scouting is a huge key. So if you're not there scouting, you don't know the most recent info, and you're having to rely secondhand on you know, Joe blow down the road and you're 10 hours away from where you're wanting to hunt at. So it's just, yeah, man, it's, it is sad to see that people are like, Oh yeah, I know what's, I know what's going to come down the pipe. You know, you literally can't predict birds. It, and, and just like you said, dude, if somebody could, it, they'd, they'd be making a million dollars. I mean, you just, it is truly sad. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it, and the, the shitty part about it is, is he's not the only one that's like that. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> And it, I don't, I don't care what kind of camouflage you wear, what waders you buy, what kind of boat you drive, what kind of motor you run. There is no, there is no duck hunter better than the next. You know no, what I mean? no. And and that's exactly a man. That might have been another TikTok that I saw. I don't know if it was you or somebody else said it, but it's like it's sad when you walk into, I mean, anywhere. And, and like most people will know this that listen to the podcast, but like if you walk in Max Prairie Wings. And, oh and you you know, you're just walking around, dude. Like, people are eyeballing you up and down. You know, that guy don't kill no ducks and stuff. And it's just, just like, it's it's a dick measuring contest from the beginning. That's whether you're walking around Max. It's whether you're at the boat ramp with your rig and your dog. People are judging you. Uh, and, and and it's kind of sad, man. It's, it, it's, really, it's really gotten away from what duck hunting is about. Duck hunting is in a nutshell, like if you, if you're at the boat ramp and you're trying to race around and you see a dude that's broke down on, on the side of the bank or whatever, you go over there and you help that dude, you go help him, you help him get back to the boat ramp, whatever. And you're like, Hey, you know what? The ducks will be there tomorrow. I'm going to help this dude. Cause he's freaking stranded out here. You don't even know where he's from. Blah, blah, blah. That's duck hunting. Or you go to a public spot. You got three dudes that are in your hole, whatever in your hole, public land, it's everybody's hole, but in your spot that you wanted to hunt and you go up to him as a gentleman, you go, Hey man, we're going to be hunting the same ducks. Instead of me ruining your hunt, would you guys want to come and join us? Let's just have a big hunt party. You know, we can team up decoys, team up dogs. We'll have a hell of a time. Boom. That's duck hunting. Or if, yeah. you, if you take a young dude under your wing that's maybe he can't afford to go by himself. You go, hey, man, I'm going out here this weekend. You know, I got a gun you can borrow, shells you can shoot. Come check out and see what this is about. Dude, you don't know that, that guy or gal 
might end up being a lifelong waterfowl hunter and invest in it and and you may have kicked off something in their family that they would have never experienced before. That's being a waterfowl guy. That's what it used to be about. And that's what that's what drew me to it was the camaraderie. You're you're out there with your best friends in or out of state. You're in the elements, you're bullshitting, you're having a great time. And uh, I, it is truly sad that it kind of got away from that. Yeah, and, and I mean, I've been, there's been several occasions where I've been went hunting, and I had a certain spot where I wanted to go, and there'd be people there, you know. And uh, either yeah. I would ask, hey, do "Y'all care if I join or uh, whatever," but and uh, they'd always they would all, and I've I've never been invited. Like pulling up on somebody, I've never been invited to hunt with them. It was always a no. Yeah, you know, and, yeah, or, or 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 like they start yelling at you, and then they set up a hundred and fifty away from you, and you're just you're screwing each other at that point. You're just like, wow, what are we doing out here? You know, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, damn. And they're shooting your birds on the swing. You're sh- and then it makes you want to shoot their birds on a swing, and you're just like, dude, it's you're pissing in the wind at that point. It's just like, yeah. damn, dude. Dude, so tell me about, like, what's the environment in, at Real Foot? Now, I know, like, recently, I know you definitely heard about it, but, like, that that dude that shot somebody or whatever, you know, that, that happened, I think, maybe three or four years now ago. But uh, what's the environment? They're like, how come – is it still super competitive? Like, what's the blind situation? You know, give me, like, an update on on that, you know, hunting that that lake, Real Foot. Well, just competitive, I would – I'd say it's competitive because, I mean, you've got uh, a bunch of guides out there trying to put all their clients on birds. And I was told that it there there weren't that many guides until Duck Commander become a thing. Oh, wow. And, uh, and, uh, but, yeah, it's it's super competitive. Like, we got a blind in front of us that will shoot ducks at 60, 70 yards high. Oh, my and, word. Yeah, and the hole that we hunt, and it's only big enough to put – I think there's maybe 250, 300 decoys out there. While that blind in front of us has got maybe twelve hundred decoys out, so we're we're steadily trying to compete with them, you know. But uh, it's it's very competitive. And as far as the blind situations go, after uh, the, the two boys got shot, I mean, that's a sad situation all the way around, you know. And uh, I never really heard the detailed story about that. I mean, it's crazy how rumors and stuff gets. You know, obviously, social media doesn't help in that that light, but stuff gets spread around. I mean, the hunting community is not as big as people think. It's really tight knit, so stuff gets passed around, and people text, Snapchat. Like, what was the like? Do you have the insight on that? Like, I never got a firsthand, or at least somebody that's really familiar with the area. I never really got the full story of what happened. Well, brother, to, to be completely honest with you, I've heard three or four different things myself, and uh, that's me too. And I was and, like, man, and, I don't know. And in the event that somebody that was close to those two boys is listening, I really don't want to go and tell that story and say something wrong to make them upset. But if anybody wanted to to try and figure out what happened, you know, there's a, a YouTube video. Somebody did a uh, not necessarily an investigation, but they did a story. They did a story on it. Oh wow! Uh, okay. Go, yeah. Just go to YouTube and look up the real foot shooting, and I mean, it's a I think like almost an hour long documentary. Golly! So it's like a full blown sit down and watch video type deal yeah i gotcha i gotcha yeah and and dude that's totally that's totally cool that's really cool that you you know respecting the obviously dude losing somebody to duck hunting it would be incredibly sad and uh you know definitely huge shout out and respect and prayers go out to that family i'm sure they're obviously christmas coming up just another reminder of that 
So yeah, super. Yeah, this just a terrible situation. But uh, it, it you know, and it brought a lot of eyeballs to Real Foot and kind of the you know the, the blinds being around it and and that type of thing. Ha, have you been guiding out there for several years now, or this is something new you've done, or you've always been doing this type thing? No, so, uh, so I started guiding at Real Foot probably when I when our uh, second split started. I was guiding in Arkansas from November eighteenth till their first split ended. Oh, okay. And then, uh, yeah, and so and now I'm back at Real Foot, but. Uh, that, that's, that's basically it. So when you're out in uh, Arkansas, do, are you with an outfit or are you just kind of doing your own thing out there as a, as a guide or what, what's your situation out there? No, I'm, uh, I'm helping an outfit, uh, the roast hole guide service. Okay. Yeah, dude, you can tell anything you want to shout out, dude, you, you feel free to, we like I said, we don't have any, there's no sponsors to upset here. So you can, yeah, you can, you can do the selfless plug anytime you want. Like you're not going to you know offend me so are, are you guys still taking bookings for real foot are you guys booked out already for this season man i i think there's a couple dates left i know I, i'm wanting to say maybe the last three days in january you're still open okay but uh but and, and as far as i know i really think that's it well awesome so so what 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 is that guide service called out there with with, with your Alm- friend almer's guide service almer's like a-l-m-e-r-s U-L-M-E-R-S. Oh, Olmers. Oh, I got you, got you. Special Ed over here on this end of the mic, dude. I've got <laughs> halfway through a bourbon, so trying to hang on. But yeah, dude, I hear you. So I love t- talking about guys about their, you know, obviously I'm a huge gear whore. I love it. Like anybody that does waterfowl, obviously you have to love gear in some light. I mean, guns, shells, dogs, boats, et cetera, et cetera. What's your go-to setup? I mean, obviously real foot, I guess depending on where you're at in real foot would depend on your shell choke gun combo but like for open big water ducks like what's your go-to for i mean and obviously guys mostly you know you're ensuring that the cleanup is there people are killing ducks so you're shooting too but like what's your go-to for big water like gun setup choke shell combo that type of thing oh man and you're not going to hurt anybody's feelings this is what you like to shoot right man honestly for big water and like I was saying earlier, Real Foot's a very co- competitive place to duck hunt. But I, I shoot a Browning A5 Wicked Wing with a full choke, and I shoot three and a half Kents. I, I, I don't know what shot size. I just grab a box of three and a halves. But, but Candlesticks, I mean, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. But see, now we had an Arctic blast down here last year, and uh, my A5 started to the, the slide bolt whatever you want to call it started to stick on me a little bit so i went and borrowed my dad's 10 gauge so i've been shooting it for a little bit golly <laughs> 10 gauge that's what i'm talking about yeah dude we we got a buddy uh up in uh the middle tennessee area uh uh mr bradley dude he he shoots a he shoots a freaking 10 gauge cannon and i'm telling you dude when we're up there shooting you know and you got a crippled goose at you know 55 60 he just whoom and the thing just i mean it's just like God, dude, Thor's hammer. I'm like, dude, <laughs> yeah. you just love it. And he he, he kind of he, like that's his thing now. So he like loves the ten gauge. But I was like, Jesus, man, that's uh Lawson. I couldn't think of his freaking uh, yeah Lawson, dude. He's a freaking uh, hammer with that deal. But yeah, dude, that's really cool to hear you shoot Kent. Kent is a partner with me on uh, the Instagram page, not the podcast guys. So you guys chill out. But on the Instagram page, <laughs> they've been a partner with me for a while and. Uh, I got the chance to shoot their their newest shell this year, and is the offering is the uh, Fast Steel Plus, and it's a duplex load. So I was kind of mixed on it. I did a pattern video because I'm a huge, huge advocate for people to go out. If you buy anything new before you go hunting, 
that's anything deer turkey waterfowl make sure you pattern that shit because you owe it to yeah. the animal to know what you're going to be doing especially when you pull the trigger on a live animal that just like my number one pet peeve is pattern your shit like I, I love telling guys that but yeah i patterned it the two by four is absolutely freaking stupid i actually like shooting that at geese but uh they also have a bb and two in the same shell which is what we used uh for early season but yeah dude i i love kent it's a good clean shooting shell it's very affordable uh now they do offer bismuth but i'm just shooting just the, the straight up steel loads and and I loved it. If you guys saw the goose video, I, I actually had a chance to crush one at 55, you know, luckily. And uh, it just goes to show you, man, you can you can shoot birds with whatever. And I used to shoot, golly, dude, when I was in college, I was shooting that Winchester Super X shit. <laughs> that stuff that looked like welding slag when you cut open a shell and looked at it. But, hey, we was killing ducks, so screw it. You know what I mean? That's right. So, like, what do you guys – do you guys – uh? Now, not not giving away any trade secrets. I'm just curious because I had that experience with those dudes, you know, Dirty Mike and the boys over on Real Foot. What uh, do, do you guys call a whole lot, or does it depend on, you know, I guess weather and, and how the birds reacting? But do you hear guys just hammering away on a big lake? On I can just imagine just a dude hammering away on a J frame out there, you know. But oh yeah. But I'm sure there's a strategy to it. Like what's your what's your go to? Like maybe not just for Real Foot, but like big open water. You know, ducks working, obviously trying to break high birds, I imagine, because you got those refuges that surround real foot trying to break down high birds. But what's your what's your method, you know, calling ducks on a big lake? Man, it really all just depends on, on where open water, you're going to have to holler at them, you know. But the, the blind that I was telling you about, dude, it, our blind butts right up to the refuge. Oh, so, that's I mean, clutch. Yeah, yeah. So when the, whenever, whenever the ducks get up, I mean, they're – if, if they come anywhere near the blind, you know, they're shootable. So, I mean, if they, uh, especially on a west wind, the the uh, refuge is right behind us, but on a west wind, the, of course, ducks fly into the wind, so they'll be flying. We'll be shooting them in the ass, you know, but the, our calling method is really if, if they're close, maybe a quack, maybe a, a feed chatter, but nine times out of ten, you don't call at them. That makes a lot of sense because especially out there with it being so crowded, I mean, especially like if you've got, and I imagine a lot of your groups are coming in on the weekends, which is like, holy crap, you know, Saturday, Sunday, loaded with people, I imagine. So, I mean, if everybody's out there with a duck call, you know, being super conservative, those subtle quacks, you know, a little bit of feed calling here and there, that stuff sounds more realistic than some guy out there like he's on the stage in Stuttgart, you know, whack, 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 whack. You know, those ducks have heard that, you know, probably a million times. So that that makes a lot of sense. So you guys mostly re- rely on having probably a super realistic spread, maybe some motion. Are you allowed to have – I can't even remember, dude, when we were out there. Are you allowed to have motion decoys on real foot? Or, like, what is the regulations on that? Yeah, you, yeah, you can have motion decoys out there. I mean, I, I think, what is it, Utah maybe? They can't have electronic decoys. That's right. Yeah, I can't. And, and then there's some WMAs in Arkansas where you can't have like a battery powered like Mojo or something. I can't remember, but Arkansas's regs are so weird. They've changed them so much. I can't remember. But yeah, though. So so that's cool to know that you can have at least some some motion and stuff out there. Because I mean, obviously, you're, you're you're relying on realistic looks. And these yeah. ducks have seen, you know, I mean, good God, you said the blind right right down from you's got what twelve hundred decoys. Uh, every bit of it. Oh my God, that's some money in a spread, dude. So like when I was there, I remember seeing like milk jugs painted black. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do, do, do they still do that out there? Yeah. I mean, they, uh, they, they'll take anything like, uh, a buddy of mine, he's got what he calls Minecraft blocks and all they are is just square foam blocks painted black. Dude, that's hilarious. Dude, that's crazy. But like, guys, like imagine this, like say you're a duck 10,000 foot in the air, like you're coming off a refuge. Like obviously, you know, a, a, a black square with a decoy weight on it is not realistic. But from that high up, that you're just trying to get numbers out there. Numbers, massive rafts of ducks, trying to get them close enough into, you know, obviously normal gun range. And, uh, yeah, it, it's just – I highly suggest – I mean, obviously my experience wasn't great. But, uh, yeah, guys, go look up Ulmer's guide service and, uh, and go book you a hunt with Hunter. If not this year, go check it out next year. Sounds like these guys definitely know – what they're doing hunt with some with some guys that are from the area that know the area and ha- and obviously have a reputable reputation to to hunt the lake so uh, i i give you guys a, a five-star review i hope you guys get some get some clients man for next year so so tell me what what the rest of your what the rest of your duck season looks like what do you guys got playing you going to stick it out in real foot or are you going to do some traveling Nah, I, brother i'm probably gonna stick it out at real foot uh we really need a good push of birds <laughs> To be 110 percent completely honest with you yes and i actually now i don't know if this is bs or not i follow this guy uh little riddle he was actually up on the podcast uh probably good god i think it was like early goose season we had him on he's kind of famous for racing his big high-powered duck butt on tiktok he's actually a really oh, yeah. good dude from mississippi he actually put out a tiktok i think today or yesterday about a a big a big cold front coming and he he was expecting some ducks or at least a fresh push into Mississippi, so hopefully you guys get to see some of that, and uh, and maybe it, it makes them get up and push around. So, and like like me and Hunter are saying, guys, like just because a cold front's coming doesn't guarantee you movement, but obviously everything as a hunter in your favor. I'll take it. I'll take a cold front any day for sure. Uh, yeah, but, absolutely. Uh, but you got to do your homework too. You got to be location, just like Hunter saying on real foot location, location, location. That is key everywhere, and also. Being adaptable is something we hadn't talked about. Dude, like when I was in Nodak uh, the last week of November into the first week of – I'm sorry, last week of October and the first week of November, a big blizzard came through. And instead of – it's kind of funny. I called the strategy being the afternoon deer hunter in quotes because instead of getting up and freezing our ass off in like negative degree weather in the morning, the ducks were getting up and feeding between that 2 o'clock and 4.30 hour, dude, was freaking money because they were – there was not a lot of open water, super frozen, super low temps, plenty of wind. Uh, there was cornfields, but the corn was covered uh, in at least six, seven inches of snow. So these ducks were really having to work to get into these dry fields to get something to eat. So that afternoon flight was just absolutely stupid. But that's something that we found out after being there, you know, in, after two days of hunting. So after getting up in the morning <laughs> at three in the morning and freezing your ass off, Till 12 o'clock and not seeing ducks move till two definitely makes you want to sleep in till 10 go grab you that breakfast and then go sit out in the field so definitely being adaptable paying attention to where you're at and what part of the country is is freaking huge man so hey are you guys on real foot you guys run dogs or are you guys picking up ducks in boats and stuff man it everybody's different you know i mean uh some guys will run dogs. sometimes a client will bring a dog you know so i mean it's uh, it is most definitely. Every, everybody's different. Everybody's different. Uh, so like we had a client from South Carolina, 
or North. No, he's from North Carolina. He okay. uh, he brought he brought his own dog, and uh, it was a it was a fairly decent dog. He, it was what he called a, a puddle pointer, maybe. Oh, I've never uh, heard of that. What was that? Man, he said he got it from uh, a a guy overseas. I don't, I can't. Jeez. Czechoslovakia, maybe. Wow. Yeah, it's a, it's a, some kind of special breed, but I mean, it was a beautiful dog. That's badass. A puddle pointer. I'm gonna have to look that up. Maybe maybe somebody out there on the podcast is like, dude, I know what that is. Dude, shoot us a message. Leave us a comment. I'd love to. I'm gonna have to Google that shit. That sounds. That sounds like a duck dog for sure. I mean, I don't know. I mean, was it was it half decent? You said it was pr- pretty good. Oh yeah. Well, see, the the dog had never been on a ramp before. It's just gotten in and out of boats. Ah, okay. So, yeah. So it it struggled that 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 first day. Uh, get, you know, she was trying to get used to the ramp. But that second day, as soon as that duck hits the water, he was on it. That's badass, dude. That, that dude, that, there honestly, there's nothing like watching a, you know, at least a decent dog work. It's pretty. It just puts that extra element to the hunt, dude. That you know, it just another awesome thing about waterfowl hunting that that guys love to do, dude. So tell me, like, so where you're from? Obviously, do you like to turkey hunt? Yeah, I think I'd rather turkey hunt than uh, duck hunt, <laughs> dude. I knew we were going to be buddies. I freaking knew it, dude. I, I'm the same way. If I had to rank, well, you know, anything outdoors, I would put. Turkey hunting is my number one. Duck hunting, goose hunting, obviously number two. And then, you know, on down the line, whitetail, whatever. A lot of guys are going to hate on that. But, dude, turkey hunting, oh, my God. So, I'm assuming you go to NWTF every year. No, no, I don't. <laughs> you don't? You you, 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 don't, no. you don't go walk around and hang out and see all the new stuff? No, brother, I just uh, I just shoot the same gun every year, wear the same camouflage. I love it. <laughs> I mean, it. I don't – yeah, I, I'm, I'm not – I'm not a uh, what do you call a, a trend a trend a trender I guess I just yeah stick to what oh I got you dude yeah I mean and, and that's what's cool about turkey hunt if you got a system that works for you dude freaking <laughs> if it ain't broke don't fix it 100 I I believe in that too well I was going to say if you're going to be in the NWTF I think I'm me and the wife's going to be up there at least for sure Saturday so I was going to say heck if you're up there we'll definitely meet up and and say hey and shit but yeah dude so turkey hunting like what how was your season last year. Man, it it was it was rough to say the least. I, really? Uh, yeah, I, dude, I didn't start shooting that the Remington TSS loads until last year. And oh, uh, okay. Yeah, so uh, I've got a Jeb's turkey choke, dude. I love a Jeb's. Absolutely oh yeah, that's a hell of a choke. And uh, I've shot other other shells, you know the heavy. I think it's heavy shot Magnum blend yeah. and the the Remington, whatever those are. But this year was the first, or last year, last season was the la- uh, first season that I had used those uh, three and a halves. And uh, I've got four left out of a box of five. And the story behind that, I hunted this uh, this public land, and everybody knows that public land turkeys are like the hardest birds to hunt. Super tough. And, and so. I'd been watching these birds like every time I would drive by this refuge because you can hunt this certain refuge. Uh, every time I would drive by this refuge just during the week, just, you know, nosing around, seeing what's going on, they would always be by this mound by the front drive. And to me, that's to me, it had me thinking, it's like, I bet they're sitting right there during the day to see if anybody just, you know, to see if anybody pulls up so they can hop back across the river. Yeah. So that, that evening, I told myself, I almost get right there on that mound first thing in the morning. So that next morning, I sit right there in the middle of that mound, dude. It's like thick. 
I got me a clear cut shot where I could see what's going on in front of me. And uh, first thing I heard, I heard him gobbling across the river. And uh, I didn't call. I didn't say, no decoys, not nothing. This hen flies across the river. And she's sitting on top of this levee, and I'm sitting there watching her. She's letting out some, some yelps, you know, and she's calling. And uh, then she goes across the field to the woods, and I never heard I never heard a turkey gobble over. So she come back over to the levee. I'm, when I tell you this, this Tom was massive. I mean, this was probably one of the biggest turkey I've ever seen in my life. He, he was definitely an old bird. She's she's probably maybe 10, 15 yards in front of me. You know, I'm I'm trying to keep my composure, and this Tom <laughs> he's probably seventy five yards out. And I'm like, dude, this is working so perfect. Because there's a live hen 15 yards in front of me, and he is steadily just walking towards me. So he gets into about 60 yards, and uh, she hops back on, on top of that levee. And I'm sitting there thinking she's fixing to jump across that river. Well, he finally gets into about 55, 50 yards, and she flies back across the river. Well, he sticks his head up like, what the hell, man? You know? Damn. And I, I was really comfortable with a 50-yard shot. I, I like, Honest to God, I was very comfortable with that shot. So he turns back around, and I yelp at him one good time. He sticks that head up, and I shot, and he he's sitting there flopping on the ground. Damn. At that, yeah, I, I was sitting there telling myself, you know, I, I just got my first public land bird. So I lay back on my vest, and I said, thank you, Jesus. About that time, I hop back up. I walk down that mound, and that turkey pops up, looks at me, and takes off flying. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. shit. You talk about sick, dude. I, I haven't been back there since. Oh. Dude, that's so that's so heartbreaking. And, and the, there's two lessons out of there. First of all, it's badass that you got in there, knew the situation, knew the terrain, knew how to manipulate their movement, and knew what. And that that's what I tell people all the time. I was like, dude, if you if you haven't tried turkey hunting, but you deer hunt and do other stuff, dude, turkey hunting will make you such a better woodsman. And like, just pay more attention to game trails, the terrain features, uh, pinch points. Uh, you know. Just transition lines, dude. Turkey hunting makes you such a better hunter in so many other aspects, like just like what you said. But, dude, oh my god, what how heartbreaking was that, dude? Man, that is so oh, I, I wanted to cry, it, it was awful. Oh my gosh, so dude, run me through like so. So, you're hunting, so you do you shoot a 12 gauge for turkey hunting, or you shoot a sub gauge, no 12 gauge. 12 gauge okay and last year was your first year actually like diving off into tss was there a reason that you held off for so long or did you just like shooting lead or what was the head no i mean it's just because the private land like we got a couple acres and it had turkey it had birds on it not this year but the year before and okay. I'd, I, I usually try to pull one tom out of their year and uh, last year we just had a bunch of jakes running around and i was just gonna leave it alone well, see, I'd always use those magnum lens that I was telling you about, and that's what worked for me best, but I wasn't shooting them 20 yards in front of me, maybe, you know, so I never had any reason to buy three-and-a-half TSS. Yeah, oh, for sure. <clears throat> and uh, last year, when I, when I, there wasn't any birds out there, I was like, I'm going to have to do something different. I said, I'm going to try these three-and-a-half TSS, and last year I was in one situation where I had to use it, and that was just the situation that I just described to you. Damn. Dude, I on, dude honestly, I did not even know – that they made three and a half inch TSS for twelve gauge. That is a shitload of uh, yeah. what 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 ounce? Do you remember what ounce shot is in those shells? That's a shitload of a shot. <laughs> I don't think so. that's crazy. No, dude. I hey, I uh, okay. Let me ask you this: Do you shoot iron or like open? Do you shoot a bead or you shoot a red dot on that shotgun? No, I shoot a bead. 
I was, I was about to say, dude, like I, I made the switch probably, oh God, man, it's been, it's been at least five or six years now. I finally made the switch to about five years ago. Uh, I ditched my 12 gauge setup, which I had been hunting with since I was in, you know, 12 or 13. I was in middle school when, you know, me and dad bought the first Primos turkey hunt video and we hit, hit the woods with, you know, Longbeard XR had just came out. So we were, we were doing that and killed plenty of turkeys with it. And I used to talk mad shit about TSS, and I'm never going to spend, you know, $10 a shell. Now, I, I do believe uh, in a 12-gauge, TSS may be overkill, but in a sub-gauge, TSS puts a 20, a 410, and even a 28-gauge on the same level as a 12-gauge as a with, you know, our superior turkey load. So I, I kind of went down that rabbit hole, and, dude, I'm telling you, I will never go back to carrying a heavy ass twelve gauge in the turkey woods. I will never do it. Last year, I actually went through. Uh, if you hadn't seen, I'll send you a picture because it's freaking hilarious. But I built the world's, you know, quote world's smallest turkey gun last year. It's a Mossberg five ten Bantam Mini. It's the smallest twenty gauge you can even shoot. I actually can't even physically shoulder it properly. I almost like my thumb almost goes into my nose cavity when I shoot a turkey load through it. But I sure. want I wanted it because I was like, dude, I want the ultimate backpack twenty gauge to throw in my turkey best. Because sometimes when we do, like I go out of state a lot for turkey hunting. I'll go to Kansas or Nebraska, whatever. And uh, sometimes you got to walk a, a shitload. I mean, on these on these tracks that you're out, you know, out west on. And uh, I just wanted something lightweight. Uh, and I'm a huge proponent if if guys haven't you know ventured into a red dot on a turkey gun, I'll tell you several reasons. First of all, you know as well as I do, especially in a duck gun versus a turkey gun, not every shell choke gun combo shoots true. Like my Super Black Eagle three on a duck load shoots ten inches high at thirty yards. It just it just does. Whereas my other guns shoot dead nuts. So same thing with a turkey gun. So if I go pattern it, I can literally dial my point of aim to my point of impact with a red dot. So no matter what that turkey does, whether I got to shoot left handed or I get twisted up around a pine tree, or, you know, the weird situations turkeys put you in. I mean, it's it's never, oh, yeah. you know, walk down the choke tube, you know, mossyoak.com. It's never pretty like that. It's always some real-world shit. So putting a red dot on your gun, you can not only dial your pattern in to be throwing dimes at whatever. Dude, with my 20-gauge and TSS load that I shoot, uh, it's a 65-yard gun all day. And that's some people think that's, that's shit, the bullshit. But I'm telling you, dude, in a wide open field with no obstruction, I have no problem taking that six yard shot all day long. Now, if I'm in the woods now, that's that's different. Now, a lot of guys that sell TSS will tell you different. You know, they're trying to sell you a shell. I'm trying to tell you, if you're in the woods, that's different. Obviously, take a very ethical shot. You're shooting a live animal. You know, obviously use common sense there. But yeah, wide open field out west, no problem. Six five yards, dead turkey. But uh, yeah, dude, that that that's so that's so interesting. To me. Well, hell, I hope you get it. Uh, are you going to do some more homework? Are you going to go back to that same setup, or what? What are you What are you doing for turkey season, gun wise? I I'll probably keep the same setup. I mean, I I have no reason to change it. You know, yeah. I mean, I'll, I, whenever I go back to public land again, for sure, I want to use it. But uh, I'm and this was middle of the season, so you know they've been hunted. Oh yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I'll probably end up doing that again middle of the season because I mean, open opening weekend you're going to have a couple of jakes get shot. I mean, that's just a given. One hundred percent. Yeah, and 
I think wait until middle of the season when they uh, start going back by that mound again. I think that's probably what I'll end up doing. Just dude, going back. Dude, that's so awesome. Well, hey, I, I wish you the best of luck. I hope you get to go back in that same spot and slam that turkey, dude, because it's just and, – and how rewarding is it, like, on public land? Like Now, honestly, I, I almost got my first public land bird in Nebraska last year. I will tell you right here on the podcast, God is my witness, I straight up missed it, dude. Like, I was compl- – I completely whiffed. It was just one of those things where, you know, you're 15 hours from home – he he kind of you know situation was was what it was and i took a shot and the dude flew off completely healthy i looked for blood for two hours didn't find nothing turkey lives on to find another day but it was just one of those things and and, and i love when guys tell me like dude i've never missed a turkey in my life i don't know how people dude if you say out loud that you've never missed a turkey you have not been turkey hunting very long (laughs) it's just a it's just a fact dude it happens to the best of us if you watch dave owens which i guarantee you you know who dave owens is if you watch dave owens he he posts videos where he straight up misses turkeys dude it it just it happens it happens but dude man hey hunter seriously man hey i'm gonna give you the floor man if you want to give us any other tips for you know guys that are getting into waterfowl or you know you're you know the current state of social media duck hunters if you want to get something on off your chest dude i'll give you the floor i'll let you close it out here with us you got any tips or tricks for us the rest of the year or any guidance on that stuff man honestly and this is one that i've learned and heard several people say it uh what we call gray ducks to the northerners they would be called gadwall gadwall Uh, oh yeah the uh what i've learned and been told and seen it in action and, and it's kind of a neat little saying uh don't call it the gadwall and uh there be there be times where i'll just sit there and watch this lone gray duck come in and the decoys by itself and we shoot it and then there's been times where we've tried to call it one and it just go about its own way and do whatever uh but if i think that's i think that's probably uh one of the best tips i can tell anybody you know, and, and <clears throat> unless it's uh, I don't know, unless it's just one of those spots where they're gonna, that you know for a fact they're gonna be, just I mean I wouldn't call at them. You know, if they're if they're close enough, don't call at them. But like if they're up there and you want to try to break them down, try. It. But if they're close, just let them do their own thing. That makes a whole lot of sense, and I, I can I can back Hunter up on that tip. I have seen multiple times where you know there, there's been situations where I was like, "Damn, guys, if we had just just and sometimes you just have to let those birds work in." I mean, there there's a reason yeah. if you've done your homework, you know, kind of like 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 they're blind on real foot. It sounds like they're in a a really good spot, money hole, you know, coming off the refuge. When those birds come off a refuge, what obviously they're looking to feed, socialize, breed. What whatever the case may be, they're they're looking to do duck stuff. So if if they're if ducks are working you and you've got a good spread out, you got quality decoys out there, you know. And and, and I'm I'm the number one. You know, I, I I'll be the first one. Like we spend good money on duck calls. We love blowing them. We keep them in oh, the yeah. truck. We like putting them, you know sound files on social media. We're, we'll be the first ones to reach down and go. You know what? I'm gonna show all these dudes. I'm gonna blow this duck call, dude. I'm telling you, it, there there's duck callers and then there's killers. You know, two different, right. two different camps there. So, you know, that that's a great tip. You know, let the birds work, especially gadwall. Gadwalls don't quack. I don't know if you've ever heard gadwalls out there, guys, that listen to the podcast. Gadwalls don't quack, so grabbing a mound call may not be the best 
the best thing. Let let them work, and you never know that 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 gadwall might bring some other ducks in with it. You never know. So definitely a great tip, man. Great tip, dude. Hey, so shout out to Omer's Guide Service, Real Foot Lake, Hunter Screen. Again, dude, thanks so much for being on the podcast. If you guys want to go book a hunt, uh, Hunter, shout out your social medias one more time so guys can go follow it. Instagram is uh, Hunter Screen 2022, and that's as simple as it can get. Dude, yeah, so if you want to book a hunt, shoot him a DM. I'm sure he'll get you all the details, pricing, dates on that type of stuff. So uh, if you want to go hit, uh, you know, experience the historic real foot lake which i think everybody should it's kind of on you know if you like to waterfowl hunt it's definitely on a bucket list really cool area in tennessee hunter i wish you guys the best the rest of the season dude merry christmas i hope you and your family have a great time off hopefully you're not having to uh to guide people during this this the weekend hope you guys get some good rest uh the family has a good time and uh wish you guys a safe rest of season dude i hope this cold front brings you guys some ducks in me too, buddy. Me too. <laughs> well, okay, so we're back live on the podcast. This is end of episode number 37. We've got Jake Ware, the infamous Jake Ware. He's he's on the line with us. Jake, you got any words of wisdom for the, the guys and gals out there waterfowl hunting the rest of the year? Let's hear some wisdom. Uh yeah, first I just want to go off and say thank you, Gross. This was a teetotal trap, and I like I like how it played out. And you won. Um, so congratulations on that. <laughs> oh, but, yeah. Uh, we want to hear it. We want to hear that piece of gold, dude. Piece of gold, man. You couldn't let me, uh, now, now, think on that a now, little now bit. this can be, this can be tips for late season geese. This could be tips for late season ducks. We're in the, uh, pretty much, uh, you could go ahead and say we're in January now. It's Christmas in two days. So this could be Jake Ware's little present to the rest of the waterfowl world that listens to the podcast. Anything you got, like calling tips, hide tips, decoy tips, gun tips, anything you want. I guess I'm going to go on the topic of some resident candidates. I don't know. What what I feel like is really changed the game for us is uh, going more realistic with the with the locals. You know, smaller, full body spreads, uh, just just being different from the crowd, you know. Um, doing that, I think, really sets you apart from the rest. And I mean, you can see it. I mean, you've been there to see it as well, Daniel. You've uh, you you come down and hunted with me when we we're just rocking silhouettes. And ever since these full bodies come out, you know, it's things have only gotten only gotten better. So, but they're still hard hunting, man. You just gotta be easy on them, I guess. That is, I, I will definitely back Jacob on that. I would back him up 100%. Uh, definitely the area that we hunt geese in Tennessee where he's from, uh, super, super, super high pressure, super messed with birds, super overcalled to. Uh, these birds have seen multiple spreads. And like what Jake is saying is, you know, we definitely used to kill them with silhouettes, but it's almost like smaller, more realistic uh, spreads of full bodies definitely like especially early season like the geese that we were pounding on dude they just didn't even like waver never doubted a second of it just sucked right in and actually that's kind of what helped us pull these birds in the other night so if you guys haven't gone and checked out the video the cornfield we we did pound a few it, it was fun it was a good time me brady and jake out there the classic crew go check out that video but yeah jake we wish you guys a merry christmas <laughs> we love you guys hope you guys have a great christmas up there and uh, hopefully we'll get on a few more 
in the next couple of weeks. So we're super pumped about that. Let's do it, dude. Yep. I appreciate the trap, buddy, but love you. I mean it. I'm going to get back, <laughs> probably going to go eat some more, uh, eat some more food, pass out here in a little bit, but uh, I'll give you a ring, man. T- tell them to go follow the part-time hunter and, and the IG page and tell them your IG to also. <laughs> go at me. And, uh, are you, are you vaping over well. there? What are you sucking on? I was laughing. Oh, <laughs> you said this. Thought you got had Brady's vape from the other day. <laughs> <laughs> His lungs gonna go out soon. <laughs> okay, okay, go go ahead. Tell him your social media. You guys go follow Jake at. Go ahead. Tell him your social media. Jake Ware one two seven and uh, go head up to Part Time Hunter Podcast. Love it. <laughs>